Our text will be taken from just one verse from our Scripture reading. The 11th chapter of Luke. We'll look at verse 8. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. There's an interesting word there in that verse, that word importunity. We don't hear that word used very often or maybe not even at all. It's only used once in all of Scripture, and that's where it's used right there in this parable that Jesus told. However, we see this idea of persistence or importunity throughout the Scriptures. The word importunity is an element of impudent insistence rising to the point of shamelessness. So many people in certain cultures especially would consider that to almost be something rude or pushy, yet the Lord views importunity much differently. It's a good thing, and the Lord commends it. Jesus had a lot to say about prayer, but in this particular parable, it seemed like the Lord was emphasizing the importance of persisting in prayer. And Jesus told this particular parable right after his disciples had asked them to teach him to pray. They had observed Jesus praying, so uh, this is the parable he told them following their question. We know that this parable teaches by making a parallel. We read in verse 13, Jesus said, If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. There was a quote that I thought explained this very well. It says, If a favor may be won even from one unwilling and ungracious, how much more readily will God answer the earnest prayer of His children? God's willingness to give exceeds our ability to ask. And Jesus said here it wasn't because this man was his friend that he got up to give him what he wanted. It was because of his importunity. He kept bugging him, so he gave him what he wanted. You know, Jesus taught the necessity of importunity in many other areas. We'll look at some of those. But there are three times when importunity will not do us any good. And the Word of God explains those three times. James 4.3 says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. So if we are asking the Lord for the wrong kind of things, or if we're asking the Lord for something we know is clearly outside of His will, or if we come to the Lord with selfish or self-focused motives, asking for something, We're in no position to expect the Lord to hear an answer. You can importune all you want, but again, if you're asking amiss, you won't receive what you're asking for. We have the account where James and John and the disciples, they were heading to Jerusalem and they had to pass through Samaria and as they sent messengers ahead to see if they could pass through the village there, they were rejected, so they asked Jesus, shall we call down fire from heaven and destroy them? Well, Jesus said you don't even know what spirit you're asking of, so we can see that's an example of asking amiss. Psalm 66, verse 18, gives us another time when importuning won't do us any good. It says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
You know, if a person comes to the Lord and they have sin in their lives and they have an area of disobedience or something they know they're not pleasing the Lord, they can ask for a lot of things. And sometimes sinners pray a desperate prayer for help in a time of desperation and God in His mercy and grace may at times answer. But again, if there's iniquity in your heart, you're in no position to expect the Lord to hear and answer your prayer. There is one prayer a sinner can always pray that the Lord has guaranteed to answer, and that is a prayer of true, genuine repentance. When a sinner comes to the Lord and they've recognized that they're lost and undone, and they call on the Lord and they believe on the name of Jesus and they surrender and yield their lives to the Lord, the Lord will always hear that prayer of repentance. But other than that, there's no guarantee the Lord will hear your prayer if you have sin in your life. And of course, the third time when importuning will do no good is when God says no. Sometimes the Lord tells us no. And it's hard because we often have our own ideas of how things should turn out. But you know, we have an example in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul said he had this thorn in his flesh. It was an affliction. and something that was causing him trouble. There's a lot of speculation about what that could have actually been. We don't know for sure, but we do know it was something that troubled Paul. And Paul said, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice or three times that it might depart from me. And in essence, the Lord told him no. He said, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Prayed three times for the Lord to remove this thorn. And, and Jesus didn't just tell Paul no, he told him why. He said because Paul had received these revelations that no one had ever seen and he'd been places with Jesus that no man had ever been. And so the Lord reminded them so that you don't become exalted and lifted up in your own sight. I'm going to leave this thorn or this affliction so that you'll continue to depend upon me. But We don't ever read of another time once Paul got that answer that he ever sought the Lord to take that away from him. As a matter of fact, he said he would rather glory in his infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon him. So when God says no, we can stop importuning and trusting that the Lord's perfect will is being worked out in our lives. Other than these three reasons, the Lord really gives us the green light to continue to ask. Matter of fact, God commands it. He tells us, ask to seek to knock. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So we can see that persistence in prayer is something that is very important to the Lord. We find another account in, again in Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8, we read another parable here. And this one is actually the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. And it says here in Luke verse 1 through 18, it says, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout the city. Excuse me, I have the wrong text here. Luke 18, I'm sorry, Luke 18, 1 through 18. It says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that man ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. 
And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. It says here what the unjust judge saith. Of course, we know he said, because this woman wearies me, she troubles me. She's driving me nuts. I'm going to avenge her. Not because I care about her or I care about God or I even fear man, but because she continually keeps coming day after day, week after week. I'm going to avenge her just to get rid of her, basically. Well, Jesus here teaches by way of contrast rather than comparison. Obviously, Jesus was not comparing himself to this unjust judge. But the point he was making that is if persistent pays off with a corrupt human with limited power, how much more will it pay off with a just God of infinite power? How much more will it pay off with a God who truly loves us and cares about us? You know, and it says, when the Lord or the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? He summed up that whole parable. You know, importunity is not a lack of faith. It is a show of faith. Some people would say, well, if you had true faith, you'd only ask the Lord once. That's not what the Lord is saying. By continually asking the Lord, we're letting Him know, Lord, we're depending on You. We're holding on in faith. We're holding on to that promise. And so we show our faith by asking time and time again. You know, sometimes we're called upon to importune for others. You know, there are times when maybe we are called upon to pray for others. There are times when people aren't in any kind of position at all to pray for themselves. We know that a person cannot be saved unless the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit draws them. So sometimes we have to pray for others that God would send conviction upon them and we have to importune for others. We have a beautiful example of this in Matthew chapter 15 beginning at verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. As a parent, we can understand this woman's grief. She had a daughter that could not obviously intercede for herself, so she came to Jesus seeking help from the Lord. But we read on in verse 23, it says, but he answered her not a word. How do we feel when we bring our burdens to the Lord and we ask the Lord to undertake and it seems like the Lord is silent? What do we do? Well, this woman could have easily given up, but she didn't. She kept asking. And it said that in verse 23, he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. So she couldn't get an answer from Jesus. So she went to his disciples and asked his disciples to help. And they sent her away. 
How do we feel when others discourage us from praying? What would we do in a situation like this? You know, we want to do what she did. She just kept pressing on, and she kept coming and asking the Lord. And finally, in verse 24, he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It would almost seem as if Jesus was telling this woman, don't bother me. There's no hope for you. But you notice Jesus never told her no. He never told her no in all of this dialogue. And of course, you know, Jesus was testing her faith. He wasn't being unkind or cruel. He was testing her to see how much she really needed something from the Lord. And he was also going to use her faith as an example to others. It says, then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. She didn't give up. She just kept coming back again and again and again. And then in verse 26, it almost seems like the ultimate rejection. And this is what Jesus said. He answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. How would we have felt if we would have been that woman? The disciples wanted to send her away. Jesus said, I didn't come for you. And then he says, it's not meat to give bread to the dogs. I love her response. She said, true, Lord. Yea, Lord, it's all true. What you said is absolutely true. She said, but you know, she wasn't there on her own behalf. She wasn't there to plead her own cause. She was there on behalf of her daughter. And she wouldn't let go. And I love her response. She said, yea, Lord, but even the dogs... <laughs> Eat from the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Lord, just give me one crumb. That's all I need. And you know, the Lord honored her faith in a wonderful way. In verse 27, we see his response to her pleading. He said here, I'm sorry, in verse, in verse 28, and then said Jesus and answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. He basically said, ask whatever you want. It was almost like he was handing her the keys to the kingdom because she prevailed and she didn't let up. She didn't give up. And the Lord honored that faith, healed her daughter. And he, he said, he used her as an example. He says, woman, great is thy faith. You know, if you have an unsaved loved one and you're praying for somebody, don't give up. Hold on in faith. Continue to importune for that individual. The Lord hears every prayer. The Lord heard every prayer this woman uttered even before He answered her. And she faithfully held on. You know, if you're here this morning and you're saved, chances are you were here because somebody chose to importune for you at some point in your life. You know, I'll be forever grateful to Sister Pauline Martin. Just an older lady in the church. She was old as long as I can remember, even as a kid. And honestly, as a kid, I thought she didn't like kids very much. And I didn't have a real good relationship with her. And that was on my part, not hers. But I'll never forget, shortly after I was saved, she met me across the street on the path and she came up to me. And she said, I can't tell you how thrilled I am that you're saved. She said, I spent hours on my knees praying for you. You used to give me so many headaches, but I don't have to worry about you anymore. She importuned for me. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful. We can do the same for others. If you're praying for somebody and they're unsaved, don't give up. 
We know you're praying within the will of God. It says it's not His will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So we can pray in faith knowing we're praying according to the will of the Lord. You know, as a church, we are called upon to pray for one another and importune for one another. In Acts 12.5, we read that Peter, as he was kept in prison, it says prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And what happened? The angel came down and broke him out of that prison, delivered him on the doorstep there as they were praying. At first, they didn't even believe it was him, but God undertook and answered because prayer was made without ceasing of the church for him. The Bible says we're to bear one another's burdens. We can hold each other up in prayer and importune for one another. You know, we have to importune for ourselves. We have to know how to get a prayer through for ourselves. You know, it's hard to encourage somebody to hang on in faith when we haven't laid hold of certain promises in our own lives. Maybe we don't have the victory in our own life, so it's important. We need to learn to importune for ourselves, to hang on in faith. You know, we have some examples of that in God's Word. I like the example we have in Genesis. Genesis chapter 32. We read about a man by the name of Jacob. Of course, we know Jacob, he was running for his life from his brother Esau. He had cheated his brother out of a birthright, and even the name Jacob means supplanter or deceiver. And he made a mess of things, and so he had left his father's house in fear of his life and went down to his uncle Laban's. And on the way there, God had even met him and given some wonderful promises. But here in this account, we see him returning back to his father's house, and he was uh, his brother was coming out to meet him, and he was certain his brother was coming to take his life. So he realized that he had made a mess of things. But we read here in Genesis chapter. 32, verse 11, Jacob made a promise or made a prayer unto the Lord. He said, Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and smite me and the mother with the children. And then he reminded God of the promise he had made to him years ago. He said, And thou sayest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed of the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. You know, he had some wonderful promises that God had made him, but he didn't have any peace down in his heart. You know, we can have a lot of promises available to us, but we may or may not have any peace. You know, those promises are accessed through prayer and through faith. And he had these wonderful promises, but he needed something more. He needed an assurance down in his heart. Well, it tells us Jacob began to pray. In verse 24, it says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. There's some speculation to who this man was, whether it was an angel or the Lord himself, but we know whoever it was, it represented God's power and God's blessing. And it said he was left and he wrestled until the breaking of the day. How many times have you ever felt yourself in a desperate situation and you get a hold of God and you were willing to actually tarry until the breaking of the day. You know, this was more than just a five-minute prayer thrown up as he was dashing out the door with a cup of coffee in his hand. It took more than that. He was desperate. 
And he was reaching out to the Lord, and it says he wrestled until the breaking of the day. And then verse 25, speaking of this heavenly being, it says, And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the, the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. I love that. Jacob got a hold of the Lord and he said, Lord, I need you. I'm desperate. I need your help. I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I can't make it without you. I'm going to die without your help, but I'm staying here till you do something for me. Have you ever found yourself in a place like that? You know, if you find yourself in a situation like that, God will answer. He will. The Lord wasn't trying to get away from Jacob. He was just testing him to see how much he desperately needed the Lord. Well, he continued. And we read, it says there that as a prince hast thou prevailed, or has power with God and with man and hast prevailed. You know, what an awesome thought to think that Jacob, he was just a human being, just like us. He had done a lot of conniving and cheating. He tried to do things his own way, made a mess of things. But it said that he had power with God and he prevailed. We can have power with God. We can prevail if we're willing to do what Jacob did and get a hold of God and say, Lord, I'm not going to let you go. I need you. I need your help. God will help you. He'll come through. You know, having a promise and following through are two different things. Jacob didn't have power with God through his cunning or physical strength or through his intellect. It was through prayer. And it'll be the same thing for us. You know, we show the Lord our willingness to importune through our actions, not just through our words. You know, we can tell the Lord, I'm hungry, or Lord, I need you. How much time are we actually spending in prayer? How much time do we spend before the services praying and seeking the Lord? How much do we take advantage of these altars? After the services, I won't ask, but how many of you, well, I did ask, but I won't ask for a show of hands. How many have ever even been to the altar of prayer? There are these benches right here in front. This is a good place to get a hold of the Lord, to grab a hold of God and not let go. The Lord will honor that kind of faith, but we show the Lord our faithfulness through our actions, not just our words. You know, sometimes we may have to do something more than once. You may have to pray more than one time. The Lord doesn't always fulfill His promise the first time we ask. I think about Naaman the leper, had a terrible disease, was dying, went down there to the prophet Elisha's house, or Elijah's house, and he was told, you'll be healed, but here's what you need to do. Go dip seven times. He had a promise. But you know what? He had to follow through, and he had to dip seven times. If he would have stopped short, he would have gone the same way he came but he was willing to follow through. Elijah, we know, it said he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then the Lord said, I'm going to send rain. So he went and told Ahab, God's going to send rain. What did Elijah do? He got a promise. He didn't go just sit on a hill and look at the sky. It says he began to pray earnestly. Prayed seven times, sent the servant out seven different times to see any sign of rain. Well, he had a promise, but he followed through with prayer, persistent prayer. And we know it said on the seventh time that 
Man came back and said, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. And that was enough. And God sent the answer. But these people had to persist in prayer. They had to importune in prayer. And we know God gave the victory. The Lord will do the same for you today. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. God will answer. You know, if you're here and you're unsaved, it doesn't matter how many times you've come to these altars or asked the Lord to save you before. If you're willing to try it one more time, get honest with the Lord. Lay your life out before the Lord. Surrender everything to the Lord. Pray an honest prayer. Get a hold of Him and say, Lord, I'm not leaving till you do something for me. God will do it today. The Lord will save you. You need to be sanctified. Tarry, seek the Lord. God suffered without the gate that we might be sanctified. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It takes tearing and seeking. You think about those 120 in that upper room. It says they tarried and prayed 10 days, but oh, on that seventh, on that 10th day, it said that spirit came through like a mighty rushing wind and it filled all of those. And you know what? Those 120, they turned the world upside down for Christ, but they waited and they tarried and God honored and blessed them. The Lord will do the same for you today. You know, just keep knocking. Keep banging on heaven's door. When the Lord answers, He's not going to be upset. He's not going to be irritated. He's going to be thrilled because He's going to see somebody who meant business with Him. And the Lord will answer your prayer if you're willing to persist. Get a hold of God's promises today. The Lord will help you. Whatever your need may be, we're going to have a chance to seek the Lord today. The song is 720. These altars are open.